again, just having a strong body or a body that moves well or a body that moves basically like an athlete and not just only like a runner, um, you have way better chance of, you know, not getting injured throughout your journey and be a little bit more efficient and probably not run as many miles that a lot of my competitors does, but probably do still do as as good um, because of my strength training background. Kia ora everyone, that was Matthew Doré. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Not to sound like a kind of couple of conspiracy guys, uh, but we've got codes. Mm. Secret codes. The nuclear... No, they're not. No, Not the nuclear no. codes, but they're the We're codes that are going to give you some good... Swag. Savings. Furtherfaster.co.nz... If you enter the code online at furtherfaster.co.nz or in-store, don't enter it. You could enter it into Rocky or you could just say it to him. If you let them know the code DIRTYDCR, uh, you'll get 10% off the entire range throughout the store, both online and in-store. I've been mm. trying to get Gene Andrews to buy a third kayak. Because mm. I think a little campaign we've got. He needs one. Well, and he it doesn't. would be he does, but it, he probably he probably does need one. You need one, Gene. You yeah. need a new kayak. This is uh, your kayak speaking. Yeah, your yeah. future kayak speaking. Mm. But anyway, dirty DCR ten percent off, further faster. That's a great deal. It is a great deal. They've got amazing gear. They have um, amazing gear. <laughs> all the rough wear stuff, the montane stuff, yep. white cloud kayaks, the mountain king poles, all of the mm. you know other shoe brands, mm. Innovate, Ultra. Mm. All sorts of fun things. So mm. yeah, get down if you're in Christchurch. Go check out furtherfaster.co.in. Oh, go check out furtherfaster or check out furtherfaster.co.nz. If you're in Christchurch, you can still use the website. It's okay. You can too. Yes. Yep. Or you can go in. You have the option. If you're elsewhere, probably just use the website. Dirty DCR. For the now, code. For the code. What have you got? Any other codes? I've got a secret code here. Yeah. Um. From now, Chorus, the watch company, mm. the upstart, yeah, the upsetter, is moving disruptor. Lee scrap, the disruptor, mm. knocking the big two off their po- perch. Yeah. Maybe Polar. Oh, not really. Eh? They sort of. Anyway, yeah. Re, uh, Cam- Camille Heron uses mm. it. Um, Jason Schlab, um, Dominic Grossman, um. Hillary Allen, bunch of other athletes. Mm. I think guys has been known to use one occasionally. Uh, Adam Keane used yes. them. They, apparently, they were he fantastic. Used it, he used it at relapse, didn't he? Yeah, fantastic battery yeah. life. So, yeah. uh, Chorus New Zealand, they're just launching. They're offering 15% off the Chorus Apex 46, and they've put silver option only. But silver is an elegant color. It is. And it's got a recommended retail price of $579, and it'll get you 15% off. A uh, few of the features. Many bat- features? Uh, battery life for 35 hours. 35 hours and full Whoa. GPS. I just don't think I have the interest to be GPSing 35. Anyway, 100 hours in Ultramax mode. Uh, titanium alloy bezel finish with sapphire glass for the Apex 46 millimeters. Mm. Wrist-based heart monitor. So you don't have to use the strap. No. Nope. Just goes on your wrist. That's right. No wow. more shaving my chest mm. like it 
animal and what? a built-in barometer altimeter and compass wow so if you go to uh, chorus.co.nz you get 15 percent off the apex 46 and the, these things have been flying out you, the door this is the second run they've done of them really yeah what's the code dcr number one and that's hashtag number one so dcr hashtag, hashtag one one not hashtag spelled out either like no actual, <laughs> like actual not hashtag. dcr hashtag number one yeah it's no. dcr Hashtag one. It's a good code. Ditch Radio. Uh, we are out of practice. We're out of practice. Yep. And you've got the giggles. I had the giggles. That mm-hmm. took four hours to record that intro. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it wasn't because uh, Matthew Doré has a, a, a beautiful name that I butchered every single time. But Was it because I said my name was Eugène? It, it might have been. Mm. But, I, um, but, you know, wouldn't think that we've done 47 episodes. But here we go. We made it. And I missed you. Yeah, I missed, I missed you too, man. You hang out with a dude like three, four times a week for a whole year and then he goes away and you're like, yeah. oh. Uh, you could imagine one of those movie montages. I'd imagine like I was hanging out in Riverhead walking around like scuffing like the fallen autumn leaves and you're in New York and Reno, Nevada and wherever you were doing whatever you were doing. Well, I was with, in LA doing that um, pilot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice men with beards. Anyway, mm. <laughs> episode 47, you're back and we I'm made back. it. Hey, sorry, speaking of, um, I thought you were going to say walking your dog. Well, you did. I saw a photo of Rigby. Man down. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, uh, Glenn Kirby. He, um, which is what, what we decided that his name would be if he was human. Glenn Kirby. Glenn Kirby, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Because yeah. his pedigree, so Cora oh. Glenn is actually, anyway, his first name. Uh-huh. And did he just Rigby? Well, not just. That's a middle class white guys name. with dogs. Anyway, um, what happened? He hurt his foot, ah, and he won't stop licking it. So he ah, went in the cone of shame. Cone in of fact, shame. he's still in the cone of shame because he? he's such a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> so he can run like yeah. no problems. Like, yeah. But after like you clean, yeah, he's just yeah. Man, loves that. Mm. Yeah. Hey, it's good to be back. It is good um, to have you back. I did. I missed you, and I missed the trails. I yeah. did get in plenty of running. Yeah. Uh, but it was all very urban. Which, you know, I'm not trying to be the whole road versus trail dickhead. But it, I did miss being out in the forest, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the bush. So where did you run? Where was the most urban place you ran? Oh, well, like, just, it was all city environments. I did run in Central Park. That's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It was weird, because it's like a racetrack of runners going around there. Really? Like, you just have to kind of wait your turn to jump into the, to the flow. Of runners. Is it that? It's yeah. so busy. It's like a salmon run. Yeah, oh. it is. It is. Um, yeah, and lots of running around streets and stuff. But it was good to, you know, get back into the forest this morning. I went up there and just had this plan of just rambling around just to reconnect and hit the trails. They're a bit muddy. And I realised how discombobulated I was when I had a look at Strava afterwards and realised that I had managed to loop back on myself without <laughs> even realising. Although I did, it was funny because I came across one road between trails, you know, I sort of yep. jumped across the road and looked left and saw a gate. And then I sort of ran for a while and then I came out and I looked, you know, to go back across and I looked right and there was a gate. And I thought, that's funny. But anyway, keep the same going. gate, right. Yeah. It wasn't until later I had a look at Strava and went, oh, right, okay. Anyway, so that just proves how out of touch I am mm. and how uh, it's good to be back. Yeah. Well, it's so. probably the Coriolis effect. Course, yeah, course, different. hemispheres, hemispheres, yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing going on with the bath. That's right. Mm. <laughs> don't even have a how bath. you been? You, uh, yes, we do. Oh, downstairs, yeah, yeah. downstairs, we've got a bath. Yeah. Um, how you been? 
Digging a trench. Digging a trench. Like, you Not talked like about actually, it. Lit- I actually literally dug a trench. That wasn't a metaphor. No, um, that's true. What? Hang on. No, I'm not even going to ask. Uh, you, I, you talked about it in the interview with Matthew that I heard. Yes. But I actually saw pictorial evidence of it. Today. Yes. I woke up in the night and you hear it. And I said I felt like I'd been beaten mm. by a bag of hammers. Like, mm. And I felt like I'd been beaten by a bag of hammers. And it's kind of unusual because I come from a weightlifting mm. background and being upper body strong and yep. doing all stuff like that. And it's hard work doing a trench. Yeah, yeah but I'll our I'll new a few trenches podcast studio is that much nearer to completion. And when I say Texas actually, uh, towers, Little House of Savages Studios, I'm not like anything. This is actually two dorks in a bedroom currently. It's a very nice bedroom, but um, it'll be two dorks in a studio. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what was the trench for? Uh, drainage. That's good. So we put, don't want to be flooded out. To put that drain right. like, from the downpipe. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. we don't want to be flooded out. No. That would be bad. It would be. Yeah. Mm. Um, so W2K is yes. not that far away. It's felt like it's been six weeks away for the last 12 weeks. It does. It does. But July it's actually 12th. only... 13th. July 13th. Yeah. I'm so yeah, excited right about it. Mm. Uh, July 13th. Yeah. I am really excited about it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I kind of, in a way, it feels a bit like going to a running homeland of mine. Right. Because I lived in Wellington for a yes, while. Yes, you did. And did lots of running there. Yep. And always love it when I go back and run in Wellington. And it'll be nice to be able to connect up all these different trails that I've run on over the years. Absolutely. And you've you've done the marathon. I've done the before. marathon. Yeah. Mm. I'm looking forward to getting into it with the the longer run. And yeah. we've got some good friends coming down. And yeah. It's yeah. going to be good times. It's going to be good times, yeah. Come laugh at some Flatlanders. Yeah, absolutely. Crying on the hills. Mm. Uh, now, I did mention the interview yes. with Matthew. Yes. Ray. What a super interesting guy. Super interesting guy. Yeah. Like, really. And I think it's good to, to pivot sometimes on the show. Mm. The last two episodes that we've had mm. have been... Quite deep. Super heavy. Yeah. Um, and super impactful and, and super... Um, Super full on, you know, like yeah. Catherine Switzer and then Josh Common. And well, I mean, you know, when you've got a podcast where people write to you and say that they're in tears. Yes. You know, <laughs> floods of tears. Yeah, you're, you're, you're yeah. hitting people in the fields, aren't you? But that's right. But that's one, not to say that this one is fluff at yeah, all. Yeah, but I just don't think people will cry over it. No, ho- no. hopefully not. But um, they will take away and learn a whole lot, which yeah. I did. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was running and listening to it, so I couldn't, but I wished I could scribble stuff down. So Matthew Dore is a uh, strength and conditioning coach uh, who comes from an ice hockey background, and he is from, and you're here by his accent, he's from Montreal mm-hmm. in Canada, and is now based in Albury mm. in uh, Victoria or New South Wales. New South Wales. New South Wales. And he's in, he's in Australia. Yeah. Um, and we connected on the internet, on Instagram, and were really, really stoked. And I was really intrigued to look at his approach to uh, to running and the amount of strength-based work that he does yeah. therein. Yeah. Um, and the dude's no slouch. Well, I was going to say, speaking of... Intrigued to look at. I was intrigued to look at his photos. <laughs> oh my, whatever. Yeah. Not to. I mean, not to denigrate the man or, or make wow. him, but he's easy on the eye, isn't he? Well, he's, he was cut. Yeah. 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 Those quad goals. That's uh, right. Anyway, so that that was good to hear him talking about his approach to training, and yeah, I think it's a conversation that people will take a lot away from. Absolutely, and mm. I think when we get into the the whole thing about 
you know, and going back to digging the trench, like I go through periods where I do a lot of strength work and then I, I'll stop as my mileage gets up mm. and then I'll feel weaker. So I'll do some more strength work. Yeah. And then certainly after talking to, to Matthew, you know, like I'm back into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his advice was, well, we won't. We won't steal his thunder, but yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk yeah, about, yeah. and a lot of cool stuff, and a, a really interesting running journey. Yeah, uh, and a real, you know, two forty five Boston Marathon. Two forty five Boston Marathon. No there slouch. you go. Yeah, yeah, no slouch at yeah. all. Hey, I yeah. We mentioned the feedback from last week's show. Thank you so much. It was really, <sighs> yeah. It, it was. It was in lots of ways. It was a tough conversation, but. Uh, it was one that we really enjoyed bringing to you mm. and we know that a lot of you got a lot out of it. So thank you for getting in touch to say so. Uh, thanks too for those of you who caught out on the don't catch bogan quip, which seems to have <laughs> taken on a life of its own don't as catch well. Bogan. Yeah, we should, mm. get some print, we should get some T-shirts printed up. Yeah, we should. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the whole, um, you know, the aspect of the conversation when Josh was talking about like how he became suicidal and yeah. I was teaching the next week I did mm-hmm. the one of the things that I do in, in my role as a nurse I do the Ministry of Health uh, risk assessment and safety planning training mm-hmm. which is the mandatory risk planning that you have to do around suicide and yeah. violence and it just it was a really amazing standpoint that he took it was a very recovery focused and it kind of it, it takes away that sort of sense of us as healthcare professionals and them as patients or clients or yep. fire order or someone, you know, it, and it kind of just, it highlights the fact that we need to all be careful because mm. worse circumstances to change and God forbid they don't, you know, we could be looking at an overwhelming set of circumstances mm. and, and, and an option like suicide might appear in that moment to be a reasonable and rational one. Mm. So I, yeah. I took a lot from that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was very open, wasn't he, and very raw. Um, and we, you know, as I said, oh, I'd, I'd love to catch up with them. Oh, me too. I'd I want to have an ice bath with them. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, or I'd have the, I'd share the same ice water, definitely, or we could go adjacent, either one. Either side. Ice bath near him, yeah. Left hand side, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, yeah, don't catch bogan. Right. Hey, there's been a bunch yeah. that happened, um, and it was a little bit, so, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, we we're kind of just doing what we can here, but it was kind of frustrating that it's been there was a, a lot happened while we were, we'd recorded these shows, pre-recorded these shows, yeah. and there was stuff going on. It was like, oh, damn, we should yeah. have had that in the That's show. 100%. But anyway, it is what it is. So, Speaking of Josh Common adjacent, Ruth yeah. Croft. Yeah. Tremble before Ruth Croft. Wow. Second at the World Trail Running at Champs. At the World Champs. Yeah. I feel like we should stand up and clap. Oh, she's am- Ruth. If you're listening, I don't know, you might be. Well done, man. It's yeah. amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. Really incredible. Uh, what a run. And, you know, a great run, too. Like, she seemed to have timed it perfectly. Yeah. 12th after 7K yeah. and five minutes back, the leader at 16K moved into second. Yeah. And. Oh, no, she moved into second between 34 and 39. Ah, sorry. She, yeah. So she was five minutes behind the leader at 16K, moved into second on the start of the long scent between 34 and 39. Yeah. But the eventual winner. Which is Blondine Legrandel. Your French is terrible, and I apologise. No, I apologise no, to everyone you, in France. You, you know, you and French Canada name and, and French no, Polynesia. Yes. But yeah, she was. So she was eight minutes in front, which is you know in a forty-four k race that's quite a way. But you know, Ruth obviously paced it 
and smashed it. And smashed it. Yeah. Second in the damn world. Oh, you look, go. This is big you thing, go. Big things are coming, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and the other New Zealanders did well as well. Yeah. Nancy yeah. Zhang was 48th in 455.25, and Mel Aitken was 111th in 534.38. And I understand it didn't go too well for her. She yeah. ended up under a space blanket yeah. in the medical tent afterwards. Yeah. But like that woman's got grit. Hasn't she just? Yeah. Sam McCutcheon. It's hardly a week goes by we don't mention Mel Aitken. No, show. She's, she's been <laughs> a constant. Yeah, she's racing all the time. So, you know, huge. Well done. Sam McCutcheon was the best new, of the New Zealand team in the men's championships. He was 57th in 405.35. Yep. Andrew Thompson. Friend of the show. Our bro was 432.25, 118th. Paul Timothy, 456.35 for 156. Will Bell was 507.42, 170th. Tim Rabone was 512.46 and 177th. And Chris Dunnell was 525.02 in 188th place. Yeah, It's amazing. Yeah. We probably have the most police-filled world trail-running champs team, too. We, if if stuff had gone down in that race, yeah. the New Zealand team was, like, best place to deal with it. I'm not naming names, but you know who you are, both of you. Uh, Jonathan Albin of Great Britain won in 335.35. 204 men and 159 women competed the distance. Yeah, It's staggering the amount of talent. So congratulations to yeah. everyone who took part. And so that because of the distance, mm. 44K, mm. it was kind of like a hybrid between the ultra runners and the marathon, oh, sorry, not marathon, the mountain running yes. people. Yeah. So it was a very, yeah, it was an interesting race. And mm. for Ruth to have come second. Oh, it's amazing. Again, man, you know. I, I woke up and you posted that on the group chat. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my Lord. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sitting in an airport. Anyway. Which so, airport? <clears throat> yep. Was it Newark? No, it was San Francisco. Oh, there, yeah, you go. there you go. Hey, another thing that happened was cancellation of Hard Rock. I know. Yeah. Yeah, probably everyone knows, so this is probably not even worth mentioning, but uh, massive, massive snowfall. Yeah, 100-foot avalanche walls. Yeah. You know. That photo of a couple of weeks ago of the car driving through. Yes. <laughs> Dwarfed by these <laughs> walls of snow, so it's been cancelled because of the heavy snowfall and avalanche debris. Um, and it, I mean, it's the snow was was dropping, but um, just the avalanche debris and high levels and waterways uh, led to the decision to cancel it. Damn. So, what does that mean for people like Grant guys, friend of the show, yeah, who had an entry for Hard Rock? I think they're just doing it next year, aren't they? Right. So they just get switched over. I think so. Yeah. I think that's how it rolls. Oh, so if you'd be targeting next year. Yeah. Then you've got a bunch of people from this year. Hold fire. But I was talking yeah. to Corey Waltering on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and you know how we're backing him to win Leadville and yeah, he's yeah. backing himself to win Leadville. He mm. said it's kind of changed the game a little bit because of now oh, Hard Rock's been canned. There's right. a bunch of people perhaps stepping up for that. But ah, of course. Mm. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. We're fully Team Corey. We're Team Corey. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering, what does this mean for Western States? Because well, there is a lot of snowfall around. But I had a look, and because uh, it's coming up soon, June 29. Yeah. And they just put out an email to competitors, Yeah. Uh, which they've published on their website. So I'm not, it's not like they hacked emails. I didn't hack emails. No, just, just, say, just for the record. You accessed it Just for the record. I hacked no emails. Um, but if somebody <laughs> did hack emails, I would happily receive them. 
even if they were... No, sorry, anyway, that's getting into political discussion. Right, uh, but they're going to have a regular route. Right. Because uh, after two weeks in May where there was no net loss of snow pack, um, the summer temperatures have finally arrived and the snow is melting at a very rapid rate. Uh, I was... Sorry, just... This is going to sound incredibly wanky, but driving through Lake Tahoe mm-hmm. and the snow was dense. Yeah. Mm. But it is melting, apparently. It's melting now. So uh, they're going to have a regular course rather than the snow course. I feel so provincial um, because I don't know where any of these places are really. And, and mm. I because I had been there, them, it's it? hard to picture them. Yeah. But I remember when uh, we were talking to Peter Maximo, he was talking about how they've Google mapped the Western yeah. States course. Yeah. So you go check that one out. Yeah. It's the USA Trail Federation. Mm. Mm. Association. Association. Is it association? Uh, we associate with them and they're very, very federal. It's a federation. It's a federation of an association. I've anyway. taken my glasses off. <clears throat> yeah. I'm He's putting them back like on. Basically, disgusted out. in myself. He's disgusted at the whole thing. I'm not helping. I'm just kind of. <sighs> anyway. Wait, hey, what else have been away? Weston Hill. Yeah. He got a fifth at the Madeira Sky Race in Portugal. Yeah, and they just yeah. smashed out the Trans Provence, uh, not Trans Provence, Trans. So they've just done a stage, just done a stage, yeah, stage race. Yeah. yeah, yeah, incredible, amazing. That did man. you see the photos from that Madeira Sky yes, Race? I did. <laughs> Four thousand one hundred meters vertical climb from sea to sky. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Far out. He said on Instagram that he climbed well, but descended like a snail, which oh, I shit. just thought, yeah, whatever. Shut yeah. up, Weston. Yeah. yeah, like a snail with rockets yeah. on the back or something. If you threw a snail off a cliff <laughs> or dropped a snail out of that Red Bull balloon. <laughs> yeah. You reckon? As long as it didn't land on its shell because then it would break. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, then it would be a slug. Keep going. Oh, right, Push through. Yeah. Hey, a special shout out to Vajan Armstrong. Mm. Yeah. He ran Comrades. 6.47. Yeah. That's seriously respectable. Yeah. It was at yeah. the uphill... It was an uphill, so Durban to Peter oh, Maritzburg, right. um, and I saw that he'd snuck, he'd snuck just, he'd snuck into the top one hundred. Yeah. Uh, but then on Polly Shorts, which was the, which is the big hill just before the end. Yeah. He slipped back a little bit further, so I think mm-hmm. he, he was just outside the top hundred. But amazing uh, result, and uh, if you don't know about comrades. Um, Get on the old Google machine. It's the oldest ultramarathon in the world. Yeah, and it's uh, probably the most iconic road ultra. Yeah. In fact, it's probably one of the only ones remaining because most of them have been stopped because of traffic management around the world. But anyway, it's huge. And just say it to any South African you know, and they'll just tell you all about it because every South African wants to run it, stops to watch watch it run, or tunes into the TV on the day that it's on. Have you seen, if you want to see something truly heartbreaking, have you seen what they do when the oh, yeah. the, cutoff the cutoff gun goes yeah. and those giant men just run yep. across and tackle people? Yeah, and the person stands with a, I was going to say starting pistol, but it's not a starting pistol, with their back to the finish. They've, they're on the finish line with their back to the runners, so they, they can't be influenced by... right. You know, so they've got no idea. Wow. And it's just when the time goes, bang, they they hit the gun, and then that's it. You're not allowed to cross the line. Jeez Louise. Woo. Yeah. Anyway, I, and I do note too that it's called a marathon, but it's actually a lie because it's it's more much than like two the marathons. Barclays. Yeah. 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 Well, at least they say the Barclays marathons, don't they? The Barclay marathons. 
Parkland Marathons. That's what yeah. they say. Yeah. So it's marathons, but it's called the Comrades Marathon. But it's actually an ultra marathon because it's two in a bit. I think we need to move on. We are rambling. Right. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know is if you're tuning into the show for the first time, we're not usually this digressive. No. We've missed each other. Yeah. And we're sort of out of practice. Yeah. I, I think this well, is. Not a- that we usually like finely tuned broadcasting machines. Yeah. Like, hey. But we're a little bit out of practice. But I think yeah. the stuff you should know is excellent. Eugene's written here very simply here's the chucking a pair of running shoes into your bag no matter where you're headed yeah yeah, yeah. you, you might end up with some yeah. less than stellar places on your trip but it's incredible what you find when you get out to explore around on foot yep scooting through cities towns villages and it's a it's a it's a common theme I've been running around the block yep like I have been running I've, I've kept up my practice of running around the block yep. and I love running around my block yep yep well, the run that I do most often uh, is the same one around our hood, just running around. Um, but uh, and we talked yesterday, didn't we? Because you've got sick kids at the moment. Yeah. About how you're going to have to run around the block, yes. literally. Yeah. And I <laughs> shared that I remembered. You one ran day, outside in the garden, yeah, ran up and down for is an hour. The, is it the same garden? Yeah. It's tiny. Wow. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down for an hour, just so I could get a run in, um, which I know sounds a little bit crazy. But, you know, I, I also wanted to get out of the house, so that was a yeah. convenient way to do that. Um, but, y- yeah, when, you, when you're away, just always make it just always chuck a pair of shoes in because no matter where you end up, it's, a, it's good to get out. It's good to have a look around because running gives you – a view at a level you don't see when you're in a car or a bus or a train. You can cover more ground than if you're walking around and you'll just notice the stuff that, you know, you'll be, uh, like just on this recent trip was in some really crappy places. But when you're running, you see it differently through different eyes and different lenses, don't you? And just make it compulsory. Take a pair of shoes with you. Get out and run. Probably you need to take other stuff as well because if you ran like in business attire or something, or like you, some if you're on a holiday attire, wouldn't look good. Greatest run ever. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we ask you to write in to us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block or something that really sung and resonated with you for some reason. You can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or via our social medias. I can't believe you cut me off. Anyway, so we uh, got I'm a couple of submissions. Steering after the ship our... off the rocks. <laughs> no, no. Baby, this show has been on the rocks from <laughs> the start. Anyway, a couple of submissions of after our pathetic pleas over the past couple of weeks, but we really could do with some more. So send us something. doesn't have to be long. Whatever it takes to yep. tell us what it was about your greatest run that made it great. Hey, this week's one doubles as an update okay. and a greatest run ever. It comes from Dan Elridge, who wrote to us a few weeks ago about the fundraiser he and a mate, Scott Schubert. We're going to do running 235 laps of a city block to raise money for MS. And we heard back from Dan. Take it away. All right. Hey, Matt and Eugene, the journey to my... F- Greatest run ever started about eight weeks ago when the company I work for came together on a Friday afternoon to listen to a few staff talk about something that they were passionate about. One person spoke about rock climbing and being a dirtbag in the Yosemite Valley, another spoke about mental health, and another rated his favourite pizza joints in Adelaide. But the seed for the idea that would come 
become my greatest run ever, was planted when one of the team started talking about her journey living with multiple sclerosis. She finished the presentation by asking the team to support the May 50k, a fundraiser that calls on participants to run or walk 50k during the month of May. I honestly can't remember if beers were involved, but in that case they probably were. Ketamine, uh, were involved or not, but within an hour, two of us had decided it would be a good idea to run the 50 kilometres in a day. We wanted to make more of a spectacle out of it to raise more visibility, so we thought we could run around our office block on a Friday afternoon. The block turned out to be 214 metres, so we had to complete 235 laps to get the distance. We asked other team members to get involved during the month and save a few kilometres to run with us on that last day. We thought it would be a good laugh and a bit of an adventure, but it turned out to be so much more. On the last day of May at 11am we started our first lap, but it wasn't a silent affair. The teammate with MS joined us planning to run the first and last 10 kilometres, and surrounded by the full company we were cheered off the line. For the next five and a half hours we were cheered every single time we passed our office door. That alone would have been amazing, but it got better. We had people from the company join us to run through the day, about 20 different runners all up. The team member with MS got caught in the moment and ended up covering around 30 kilometres, more than twice her previous longest run. We had another team member with MS join us, and we walked together for a lap, giving us a chance to reflect on just what we were in the middle of. For the rest of the day, we enjoyed every moment. Teammates that didn't run got involved by guessing how long it would take us to run a lap carrying our kids, or how long an egg and spoon lap would take. They guessed the time taken for someone to eat a burger, run a lap, then eat another burger, and they tried to guess how fast one of the other 20 runners could complete a lap. As the laps ticked off, the support got louder. Businesses on the block bought us food and drinks and joined in the cheering, (laughs) and the office PA system was used to count the number of laps left. As the three of us who began the run joined together once more and broke the improvised finishing tape made out of toilet paper, we just couldn't believe what we'd experienced. Our entire company had come together to support each other, and we raised money for a very worthwhile cause. Running has provided me with some amazing experiences and memories, but spending the day running laps of the block has to be my greatest run ever. I've never felt prouder of the place I work with, work for, or the people I work with, and I know it's a memory that will stay with me for a very long time. Wow. That was fantastic. Yeah. That was a real banger. Yeah. Thanks, Dan, and congratulations to you and Scott and everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds epic. That's amazing. Yeah. It's really lovely, like, you... Yeah. you Saw saw a need, thought you could make this awesome, and yep. and did it, and knocked yeah, it off. That's and, awesome, and got, boys. And got all those other people involved. Yeah, yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it wasn't just like a solo run. It was no. Yeah, it was it was genius to involve everyone in that way by just running those laps. Yeah, well done. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm, okay, right. so lurching towards the start line mm. of um, another. It's it's what is that a fourth? Or fifth solo interview. Yeah. We do do them occasionally. And mm. I did feel a little bit like a fish out of water. Like I forgot Jeff Browning's forgot Jeff Browning's name. Um, you didn't in the end. You got there. Yeah, it took a while though. <sighs> right. Matthew Doré. He's a strength and conditioning coach. He has a background in ice hockey. He will run anything you put at him. The man is fast. He is strong. And he has an excellent approach to um, training and running and life in general. He's supported by Nike, he's supported by Cielli, and he has recently moved to Australia. He's out of Albury, and um, that's how you say it, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, and a fascinating conversation all a, round. It was an excellent conversation, uh, mm. but I did miss you. Anyway, look, here it is, my conversation with Matthew Doré. Ditch Radio. All right, kia ora, everyone. I'm 
speaking to Matthew Doré all the way from Albury, New South Wales, but probably via parts further afield initially. How are you, Matthew? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Cool. Hey, look, um, welcome to Down Under. I, I, I understand this is, is, and I can tell by your accent, this is not originally where you're from. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm uh, originally from Canada. So on, uh, well, they would say probably the East Coast, uh, Montreal, Ottawa, to be more precise. So basically seven hour drive north of New York City. Um, but moved to Australia probably uh, four or five years ago. I stayed here for four years, left for a year and a half, and then I've been back for about three to four months. Cool. What and 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 what brought you back? Uh, my wife actually, she's uh, a Aussie, so um, yeah, we decided that uh, the move back to Australia was our best option since I already had a pass here and you know, friends and connections and, you know, at work. So it was a better option for both of us for me to move back than both of us move to Canada. So, um, yeah, that's what brought me back. Fantastic. Hey, and I understand you've, you've just, you know, you had a bit of a whirlwind couple of weeks there. Um, you got married or you had your, you know, your ceremony back in, in Canada and you ran Boston. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a wild first part of the year, to be honest, Um, because we were trying for over a year and a half to get a visa granted simply for me to come back to Australia. Um, But it was a bit harder than I expected. So finally in February, no, I think it was December. In December, I got a visa granted. And so I decided in February to come down. Uh, basically I touched down February 6th, we got married February 9th, and then I got another visa granted just in time, so I was able to leave and come back, uh, got this visa granted probably a week before Boston Marathon, uh, so we basically flew out to Boston and did Boston Marathon mid-April. Goodness me. Sounds yeah. like <laughs> that's quite leaving things, that's cutting things pretty tight, and thank God oh, for... Efficient yeah. bureaucracy. <laughs> it was very tight, very tight. We were we hired a lawyer this time around because yeah, it was just a lot easier and we felt a lot more confident. Uh, but yeah, everything worked out. So um, Boston, yeah, was phenomenal, phenomenal. It was a great opportunity for us to catch up with my family there as well. So yeah. <laughs> nice one. Hey, look, one of the reasons that we were so keen, and, and uh, Eugene's not here, as, as we discussed before we went on, uh, wanted to get you on to talk about is your approach, uh, you know, you're a very accomplished runner yourself, marathoner, ultra marathoner, and a running coach. And we wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you about your, uh, one of the things that grabbed us was was your approach to training. Um, you know, there's some Instagram videos with you lifting some quite heavy weights and getting people to lift some quite heavy weights. We wanted to talk about your philosophy. I was wondering if you could talk to us about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I grew up being an ice hockey player. So for the explosive, I guess, more explosive, more strength background, uh, that's basically what I grew up in. And that brought me basically to do my degree at University of Ottawa in human kinetics with my minor in biology. And um, so 
And then I went into coaching, mostly strength conditioning, and that I've been doing that for maybe 12 years. Um, and I've seen, yeah, a lot of importance behind it since I've started doing more endurance uh, sports, such as cycling, uh, adventure racing, and mostly running. And I found that yeah, just having a strong body or a body that moves well or a body that move basically like an athlete and not just only like a runner, um, you have way better chance of, you know, not getting injured throughout your journey and be a little bit more efficient and probably not run as many miles that a lot of my competitors does, but probably do still do as as good um, because of my strength training background. Right. So it's about that, that ad- ad- adaptivity, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like my, my mindset is if you're strong, uh, if you're resilient, and if you're efficient uh, in your running background, then in your, in your, not your running background, but more your running pattern, then yeah, that, that brings you a whole lot because you know, if every if you're strong, so for example, if I can squat, um, you know, 100 kilos or 150 kilos, well, that means probably every push off the ground is going to be that much more efficient or that much farther, right? Right. So, Are you uh, talking about the sort of the 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 explosive force off on the on the toe off, yes. or are you talking about yes. the vertical oscillation? Yes, definitely, definitely. So that's like basically the last phase. So when you look at me doing heavy loads and all that, I'll never have my athletes do that in the first block of their training program. Basically, when I I look into my athletes, it's I'll assess them. I'll see how they move. You know, a lot of them, a lot of runners, for example, they can't even stand on one leg um, and then drive their knee without losing balance or they can't trail runners they can't even stand on one leg and go touch you know three cones in front of them without losing balance and that in my mind if you slow down the running process so imagine when they're jumping on one foot to the other while running you know how imbalanced they are or how much they're looking for their balance you know over a marathon which how many step is that Mm. so they're losing so much energy you know not having that simple one leg balance or one leg stability or strength, if you want to call it. Um, and it's certainly it's something with, if you start, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm as guilty of this as in, any, anybody else. I, I dug a drainage ditch yesterday, you know, yeah. like four or five, six, maybe seven meters drainage ditch. And I woke up this morning feeling like I'd been beaten with a hammer, you know, <laughs> I yeah. and and I, I never used to be like that, but it's amazing how if you concentrate on a, a, a pastime or a sport for, for a certain amount of time that you do kind of, you adapt to that, but the losses that you might have mm-hmm. almost offset the gains that you might make, hey? Yes, definitely, definitely. And for, to be honest, like most of my athletes are, you know, they're not professional. So they're basically a little bit like me, your day-to-day, they just want to be as good as they can, but they still have their, you know, their full-time job. Some have, you know, two, three kids. And for 
for me, the strength training aspect is just a matter of getting as good as you can without doing too many miles. So, and because doing a lot of mileage, uh, I found it's very hard on your body. It's very time consuming. You create a lot of cortisol, but if you do a little bit less mileage and you're just becoming more efficient through your strength training program, you become more uh, you're stronger, more powerful, then you can do a little bit less and probably feel a little bit better as well uh, on your day-to-day life, right? right. Um, and probably do as well uh, in your competition or in your running goals uh, without putting as much stress on your body. So, so, so take us through, like, say, for your build up to Boston. You know, you ran two forty five thirty four. That was your gun time, right? I mean, yeah. what did your tra- what did your weekly mileage look like leading up until that, and and what did you incorporate into your training, just as a sort of an everyday example? Yeah. So for Boston, um, so leading up to it, I started training for that race while I was in Canada, and in Canada we had a pretty harsh winter so lots of snow um so that made things a little bit harder but um so i was doing a lot of a lot of easy running uh but i was hitting the weights pretty hard because uh, it, it just made it really hard to do any speed work or tempo work because of the road conditions right um so i was just instead of doing you know my hard sessions outside running i was doing it in the gym so mostly a lot of heavy lifting a lot of contrast training which i love and my body reacts well so that would be uh basically a a heavy lift followed by a power exercise so heavy squat followed by a box jump so that would kind of like complement my my speed work right um but and then I did a lot of snowshoe racing. So, yeah, running 10K or so on snowshoe just to build my strength endurance. So that was kind of like my base buildup. So I was running maybe 100Ks a week uh, with two solid strength training sessions a week. Um, and in those 100K, I was probably doing 20K on snowshoes uh, just to build a solid base. Uh, and a snowshoe, it's, it sounds, I've never run in snowshoes, um, but it sounds hard work. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like, nowadays, it depends on the trail conditions, like, depends on the what type of snow you're running on, if it's packed snow, if it's wet snow, uh, but you are definitely working harder. Um, so, yeah, you just basically go by feel. You can't really train by pace when you're running on snowshoes, but... Uh, yeah, you, you, it's, a, it's a leg burn more than like a, a lung burn. So it's, right. uh, for me, it's, it's really good to build a solid base uh, leading up to a bigger event in like a few months. So that was, that was perfect. Um, but then with my move to Australia, um, that made things a little bit more complicated because uh, I was training in minus 25. And then all of a sudden, it was like plus 35 wow. uh, being in Australia. So I took a solid two weeks just running really easy mile. And it was good because I um, haven't seen my wife for a long time. So I ran a lot with her. Um, and again, it was just to build back up to about 100 Ks a week. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't have access to a gym first time I 
first few months I moved here. So I was doing a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of mobility, kind of like stability stuff. So body weight, um, two, three, four times a week. Um, and then maybe eight weeks from Boston, I was finally able to get some real sessions in. Um, and that, again, I didn't go above, I think my biggest mileage week was 120 Ks. Right. Um, but with a lot more specificity into that. So I've introduced like speed work, threshold work, uh, marathon pace into my long runs. So I did about, I would say, uh, four to six weeks of that. Um, yeah, which was great, which was great. But again, with the heat, I, uh, I had to be careful cause I felt I was always dehydrated. Well, I guess, I mean, you would have been, I mean, it's a massive temperature variation, isn't it? From like what we say, minus 25 to plus 35. I mean, that's, yeah. that's nearly yeah. 50, de- that's 50 degrees. And that's oh, definitely. An- definitely. I remember I ran a 10 K race probably eight days after I was, arrived here it's the city to city yeah and man oh man like that was not a good i ran the first 4k it was good i was on pace then all of a sudden i'm like wow that heat was just yeah smashing me so um yeah it just made things a little bit more complicated which was tricky because i wanted to go run i had a lot of time because i didn't have a visa to work so like i was able to train like a full-time athlete basically but i just couldn't uh, because yeah, it was way too hot for me, which, uh, was unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> How did you transition? Like talking about, you know, your, your background as an athlete, what drew you from, and it sounds like a fairly typical, well, maybe it's a big place, but you know, Canadians and you think about Canada, you think about ice hockey. Yeah. Um, what, what, what drew you from ice hockey with its explosivity and its speed to running? Yeah, so I always ran growing up, um, basically as a form of training for ice hockey. So ice hockey, our off-season is during summertime there in Canada. So me and my brother, I have a twin brother, and we were, athletic-wise, we were exactly the same. So we would best training buddies, and we would go run 5, 10K, you know, just to keep fit during those summer months while we were teenagers and um, we did track and field in high school. We were running the 400 meters, 800 meters, because that kind of like uh, ice hockey, you're on the ice for about one minute. And it's like all out very explosive for one minute. So we figured like, oh, we could do a pretty good 400, 800 meter. So we didn't really train for it in high school, but we still managed to run some pretty good times. Um, but we never really trained specifically for it. Um, but then it's after when I was 20 years old, um, I was pretty much done my ice hockey career. I was not going to make it to pros. I played junior. Um, and then I had one more year of university left and in North America, it's a bit different than Australia. You basically, you don't really run for your, for local clubs, but you run for, your university or college. Right. Um, so I made the university team at University of Ottawa in my last year and basically, yeah, ran uh, cross country and indoor track with them. And that was pretty much the first year I really put some solid work into running training. Um, so that's kind of like where I, I did the big shift, I'd say, 
when I was 20 year old after my ice hockey career. I just needed, I needed to move and I'm someone that's very competitive. So I just needed something else physically to kind of like keep that fire going. And so you start from track, you're doing, you know, you're doing these 10K workouts with your brother during the off season, then you do a track season. Yep. When did you start to think, well, there's probably life beyond this? Yeah, like, I guess we were not not gifted, but running always came easy for us. Right. So that's why, like, even in high school, we're from a small town, and I high school was about 400, 500 people, but we were, like, pretty much smashing all the, the school records and all that, and we weren't even, like, considered runners, I guess, you know? We were just doing it for fun and doing it, training for other sports so we always kind of like notice we like man like maybe we have something in running and i remember it's one of my gym teacher always said to me he's like matt like you're not built like an ice hockey player you're more built like a runner and uh that always stayed with me and that's why uh in university i always said like my brother kept playing hockey uh, our last year at uni and I'm like nah you know I'm, I'm gonna give, give this running thing a uh, a go and uh, that's where I signed up to the because during summer times the the school I guess the training doesn't doesn't keep going so I signed right. up with the local club the Ottawa Lions which is probably one of the most competitive track team uh, in Canada and so I trained with them for three to four months pretty pretty hard and that kind of like set me up for my uh university season basically um yeah so that's kind of like how it all happened or unfold right and 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 from there you you know you said the you know i've seen your instagram you're doing adventure racing you get to yep. ultra running and 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 here you are i mean what what does a a, a ice hockey player look like i mean because looking you know looking at you, you you're not a small man yeah, so that like, must be it's giant. Me. It's pretty much me with an extra ten kilo on top of me. Right. You know what I mean? Like I. Jeez Louise. Yeah, the summer after I've quit ice hockey was in April, and then I ran. I trained with the Ottawa Lions for about a solid four to five months. I lost about eight kilos. Oh like, wow! Yeah, 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 it was like I was a lot. You know, bigger muscles, because um, right now I'm about 70, 72 kilos. I was about 80, 82 kilos at like 172 centimeters. So, um, yeah, you're, they're strong dudes. They're powerful dudes. And I was considered small um, in the leagues that I was playing. So, yeah, they're, they're big fellas, big wow. fellas. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. I guess we have, you know, and, and Canada too. We have rugby, but I guess they're not on they're not on rails, are they? They're not traveling quite as fast. Yep, yep, yep. So, so oh. speaking of rail, and I didn't think of this until I said it. You, you you talk about the the system that you use in regards to sort of you know uh, strength training and and yep. and it's release, activate, integrate, and locomote. Could you talk mm-hmm. us through that? Yeah. So basically. Because certainly if you're training as an athlete, you always want your strength training to complement your sport, right? You never mm. want it to um, affect 
your main sports. And that's how I, I approach every training program with, with my athletes. It's basically, you know, before training any athlete, uh, certainly if I have the luxury of seeing them one-on-one, we go through a movement assessment. So, you know, we use, I use the joint by joint approach, um, which I believe that, and that I didn't invent that. It was two guys from uh, America that invented the joint by joint approach. It's basically every joint has a purpose. You know, some joints are meant to be stable. Some joints are meant to be mobile. Um, and if a joint is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, well, you're not going to be as efficient as you can through different movement patterns. So basically, once you find what needs to be released, you got to release because maybe if you don't have the right ankle mobility, you're probably not, you know, squatting properly or you're not running properly. If you don't have, you know, uh, your hamstring are not mobile enough, then probably you're not deadlifting properly or you're not striding properly in your running stride. So release before anything is so important for me because there's no point of doing a certain movement if you're not moving through that movement properly. Right. Uh, so the release part, that's kind of like the first part of your strength training program. And then the, the activate is basically, it's to create stability because then I'll test a lot of, of runners and then we'll do, you know, some knee drives or lunges or, and then all of a sudden, like they're not, engaging their adductors or they're not engaging their gluteus uh meds so or they're not engaging their core through certain movements so it's just to teach them to use those muscle in you know certain movement patterns um so that's a lot of people like for example if you sit on your on your butt all day while sometimes they have just a hard time making the the, the connection in between the brain and the glutes, you know, they're not really activating. Right. Um, so little stuff like that. So it's really regress to progress. So it's to bring them back to the roots and then trying to progress towards the running pattern. Um, so once we release and we activate, then we integrate. So it's trying to get strong. You know, once everything is moving properly, everything's activating. Okay. Now let's try to, you know, embrace all that and come as strong as you can into a squat, a lunge, a very compound movement uh, and create a, as much strength as you can, firing all those muscle and moving properly through those movements. And then, so, yeah. No, keep going. Sorry, Matt, I interrupted Yeah, you. and then once you build the strength, then you're able to build that speed, okay? Because a lot of people will go in the gym and they'll do box jumps, They'll do plyometrics and all that. But for me, there's no sense of doing all that if you don't have proper strength because speed comes from, uh, sorry, power comes from strength and, and speed, right? So you need that strength component before doing anything with speed um, so you can create that power beyond your movements, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And you were talking about that sort of the integrative process. So are you saying it's more about being conscious of the muscles yes. that you're using? So it's Definitely. more about the kind of the, the neural pathway more than the muscle activity yep. itself. Yeah, the neural pathway. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because a lot of people will, will go in the gym and as athletes, and I've put a post on that a, a couple of weeks ago, we're really good to um, – 
work around the things that were not like if you're weak, you're going to be able to still do it, do the movement, but you'll compensate with others, other things, right? You're always right. going to compensate with what's stronger. Um, cause a lot of people sometimes, yeah, they just don't have that connection. And as simple as it can be for me, like poking my athletes on the lats when they're doing a push up, just poking their lats to say, no, 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 pack your shoulder, engage the lats, trying to relax the traps, you know, just little stuff like that can do a massive difference. So when they're out running, their shoulders are not shrugging up, you know, shoulders are down. They're engaging their lats while they're running. So just creating that pathway in the more controlled environment in the gym will hopefully translate into your running pattern while you're out there moving from one leg to the other for hours and hours. Mm. It's, it's, and it's incredible how many runners can't stand on one leg. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it because that's what you do basically for the whole run. The whole run. Yeah. Um, so, and that's something I, I test with a lot of my athletes. It's basically the landing mechanics. Because a lot of people in their strength training program, they focus, okay, how much, how much can I push? How much can I push? Or, you know, how good am I pushing off, pushing off? But what happens if you land every time and you're off balance? It doesn't matter how much can you push. If you're always looking for your balance you're spending so much energy, mm -hmm. right? So that's something I assess a lot with my runners is their landing mechanics. Are they landing nice and solid? So that way, all the force we create or all the strength and power we create into their squat, lunge, deadlift, etc., that will translate, you know? Mm -hmm. um, because if their landing mechanics is awful, um, then they can't really use all the work they've done in the gym. And you and you talked about um, you know keeping your shoulders down and, and and relaxed and that you know that then mm -hmm. in turn flows onto you open up your airways and all your lungs and all of that sort of thing. Do you teach specific uh, a specific running gait or a specific running form, or do you find that when you have that kind of you know your posterior train is strong, you're mm -hmm. you know you you integrated that that takes care of itself. Yeah, exactly. I think that takes care of itself because everyone has their own little things. I think there's not a body that's exactly the same. So I don't believe that there's a proper running technique, if right. I may say. Um, because like, just like I was saying to you, I was listening to uh, uh, your podcast with Camille Heron uh, and you look at her run and she has a very different running style than a lot of other professional runners. Doesn't she? Know? Yeah. But she gets the job done, right? So that's why I don't really look at them how they run. I just look at them how they move in the gym. And most of the time that will translate to them into the running. Uh, but just little change that will make a, a bigger a big difference. Like like you said, packing their shoulders. Um, trying to release their hip flexors so they can extend maybe their hips a little bit more and get a little bit more glute activation through the running stride. So, um, yeah, I use mostly that approach. I'll never look at them run. And that's what I, I don't specialize in that. Um, there's people that are probably way better than me into that, but I'm hoping that into their proper strength training work, 
um, their technique will get a little bit better or more efficient through that. Yeah. And I, I guess because looking at the strength training and there's been, you know, uh, say Christen, Christopher McDougall who wrote uh, Born to Run and then he came out with Natural Born Heroes, which talks about that sort of what, uh, movement natural, you know, that integrated approach. Yep. It seems like we're going through cyclical, you know, everything's cyclical. It was probably this harks back to a time when we were doing a lot more with our bodies rather than, you know, sitting in an office chair, mm-hmm. not doing much. Yep. What do you think, what, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about using a, you know, a, a strength training component to their running? Yeah, well, one of the biggest thing, a lot of runners are scared to bulk up and that's never going to happen if your running is basically predominant, you know, right. if, if you run five times a week and you do strength training two times a week, you're never going to bulk up. Um, you might firm up, but you're never going to gain, uh, more muscle. Um, so that's a big misconception. Another one is a lot of people say, well, I don't want to pull up sore for my run tomorrow, but if you respect the right volume and the right intensity in the gym, it won't affect your, your, your training the next day. Um, and that's what I try to explain to all my athletes. You don't have to smash yourself every time you're in the gym. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like running, you know, you got to balance it out. So for me, it's, it's not about, you know, breaking, you know, your one rep max or, you know, records in the gym. It's just creating more efficient bodies. So that's another thing. Most of the time you won't pull up sore. You might pull up sore, you know, if you haven't done strength training in a long time. Uh, and then you start the first couple weeks, you might feel a little bit here and there, but that's totally normal. Um, but then we make sure that you're not doing that during race season or, you know, before race or during peak running training and all that. So you need to paradise your strength training accordingly to your running schedule as well. So, right. Um, and would you put that periodization, would that be sort of in the middle blocks of your training or... Yeah, like, um, again, during off-season, which I found, like, in Australia, they, they don't really have a running off-season. Most people seem to race all year round, yeah. uh, which that was a big adjustment for me coming here because I'm used to being in North America where, you know, we race maybe eight months a year and then we get on the skis or snowshoes. We do something different during winter months. Um, so during these months usually during off season we'll basically do a lot more strength training so usually i'll do maybe three three sessions a week and i'll go a bit more intense uh, a bit more volume and then as i get closer and closer to peak uh, season in terms of running and then um, racing i'll have less volume so i i might tone it down to one session a week uh, but i'll never stop doing it Mm. um because I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people do. They completely stop during their, their peak season of running. Right. Um, but I think you should keep doing, but you just need to respect the volume and the intensity you're doing it at. Okay. And, and so in terms of, and I know that there are you know, other athletes that I think about who do incorporate a, a 
fairly rigorous strength training is is one as um, uh, Bronco Billy. Okay. You know, uh, he won the the Hard Rock and and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, goodness me, his name has escaped me. Uh, he's he's been on the podcast, Jeff Jeff Browning. Yeah, Jeff Browning. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> totally professional here, um, <laughs> especially in the. I mean, is it useful for the older athlete as well? Mm, definitely. It's just going to make you less injury prone, and that's that's been proven and and. I think it for for ultra running or those really long or even marathon running. Like I feel um, by experience and experiencing with my athletes, you're just going to feel a lot better in the back end of your runs. Um, certainly on race day, um, you know you feel you're more upright. You're not collapsing as much. You know it's just yeah, it just gives you that strength endurance. Um, right. which I found it's very hard to get into a running only program. Um, and then you just get on, on race day a bit more fresh. So probably from doing a little bit less mileage, a little best, less impact on your body and moving a little bit more freely through that strength training program. I think as you get older, it's a lot more important because yeah, your, your muscle are degrading after a certain age. And to maintain that muscle mass, I think it's extremely important. And that you won't be able to do as much through a running program. Certainly, if you always run slow and long, which is creating the opposite, um, mm. you know, then a strength training program, it builds you up. But, you know, as much as I love running long and slow, um, it's it creates the opposite. It kind of like it, it does break down your body to a certain point. Um, right. And in terms of for your own, I mean, like for your own training, your own journey, are you have you got any goals for this year? Any races that you're working towards? Yeah. So this year, because like I just moved back to Australia and we're getting settled here, getting my business settled here as well. So putting putting a little bit more focus on that, I guess, than, than racing. But um, we'll be going in three weeks. We'll be doing the uh, Surf Coast Trail Marathon just on the coast uh, in Anglesey in Victoria. Um, so that's just a beautiful marathon along the coast from point A to point B. And then I'll do another uh, race is in the Grapians. It's a 50K trail race um, in August. And then if all goes well and the business goes well and training, I'll probably do a hundred miler in the Alpine region here uh, in Australia. Um, oh, which one? So the Alpine Challenge. Wow. Um, so that one is a pretty gnarly one, uh, but beautiful. You get to, to run pretty much, you know, a big loop around the Alpine region, Mount Autumn, Mount Feathertop, um, you know, Falls Creek, um, Mount Bogon. So you, you hit a few peaks within that run. So we're, uh, that's probably the one I'll be, uh, you know, focusing on for this year. Uh, which is good change from training from a road marathon for the first part of the year. Now being back on the trail is where I think I belong is uh, a lot more enjoyable for me, I'd say. Right. And so how does your training change from there? Because I, I noticed when you were talking about, you know, like leading up to Boston, you had some very sort of generalistic training and some 
specific training in, in terms of tempo, marathon pace stuff. Mm-hmm. Does your does your approach to strength training, does your approach to mileage change in regards to a hundred miler or, um, or yes. Yes and no. Like my mileage a week will basically stay the same. Like I'll run about a hundred K, 115 Ks a week. But I'd say I'll I'll be on my on my feet a lot more um, right. because I'll be running a lot more trails. Uh, a lot more elevation. So instead of running flat basically all the time, I'll probably clock 2,000, 3,000 meter weekly. Um, so, you know, that add probably an extra two to three hours a week on my feet, but running the same distance. Um, so, because I've noticed training for Boston, I got really good on the flats. Um, my leg turnover was great, but I did a you know, kind of like a 11K uh, undulating race here. And, uh, man, I was terrible on the climb. Like, I couldn't climb, you know, compared to usually that's my strength. But uh, coming back from the Boston Marathon training, yeah, I was terrible, terrible. So I've noticed, you know, I got to do a lot more heel work and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not doing as much speed. I'm probably doing one speed session a week um then i'm doing kind of like a threshold on the saturday which is always after i'll do maybe 15k easy and then trying to run a good 5k at threshold and then the day after that i'll do my long slow one on the trails um and then in terms of strength training it's basically stays the same because i haven't really lift for two to three months i didn't have access to a gym um coming here like i'm i basically started from base so exactly what i would do with my athletes i started with a lot of unilateral work a lot of mobility work and now i just restarted to lift heavy again um and then hopefully in a month or so i'll start integrating more plyometrics more power training um you know as i get closer to uh my big races and i guess some of the stuff too in terms of with runners and trail runners in particular it can be perceived as a little bit intimidating or a little bit too much and i i disagree with this i don't think we should really classify ourselves that much but you know that's too much like a road thing or it's too much like this in terms mm. of that strength exercises but it is a very you said you you didn't have access to a gym. So what were you doing? Or what are some exercises that if I say wanted to start strength training tomorrow, yep. what would you recommend that I do? Um, so I'd say a lot of a lot of core work, a lot of activation work. So for example, that could be because for me I, I always look at the core four ways. You know, you got your interior core, posterior core, lateral core, and anti-rotation core stability. So I always say it's important to hit the four of them. You know, a lot of people do forearm planks, you know, and then side planks, but that's hitting 50% of your core. So you're hitting interior core and lateral core stability. But then maybe throw in a a glute bridge in there. Right there, you're hitting your posterior core stability. And then if you do something, what we call uh, the dead bug or the bird dog, now you're hitting your anti-rotation core stability. So those are all exercises I would be doing if I don't have access to to a gym just to make sure my core is nice and stable. And then in terms of 
uh, more strength, leg strength and all that, you know, just typical stuff like uh, lunges, you know, a lot of one leg stuff. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you don't have any weights, just focus on the tempo. So focus on getting down nice and slow and, in my opinion, come up nice and quick. Uh, because again, the eccentric work, the, you know, the negative pay, phase of your movement, you want it to be controlled. So same thing when you're running, you want to land and you're nice and controlled. So pay attention to your knee when you're lunging. Is it nice and stable on your way down? You can count four seconds on the way down, then one second on the way up and do higher reps uh, just to, to add that, that stimulus. Um, and then I would do stuff like um, arabesque or one leg deadlift, I would pick up just a light dumbbell and same thing. I would focus easy on my way down, focusing on keeping a nice and solid core and glutes throughout the movement. Um, and then stuff like either push-ups or if you have access to a TRX or rings or a band, do rows just to engage those back muscles as well. So just by doing all that, you're basically doing a full body workout, uh, and you'll you'll probably gain a whole lot out of that um, instead of doing a whole lot of nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, and you do. I mean, you do notice it. Hey, like I know when I've uh, con- and I'm you know my strength work has dropped off. I must admit, but pre prior to getting into this period of training, I was doing a lot, and I yep. noticed I was feeling just more ease up. You know, I was prouder in my stance mm-hmm. I was more upright you know I was more sort of like that activation I think it is it's a, yep. I felt felt more active rather than just my arms were there for the ride or, or whatever it was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no definitely definitely and but it's hard like and I'm victim of it sometime like as my mileage is picking up you know the first thing that we're going to put aside is our strength training right. you know but in my mind it, it doesn't make sense like we should put aside like more of those junk miles you know um because but it's just as a runner's mind or the way we're wired is you know most of the time if we run more during training or we will run harder we're going to be better on race day but right that's just not the case you know for me it's all about the quality of work uh instead of the quantity and i'm known as a probably low mileage kind of athlete for what I do and as a coach as well I'll never prescribe that much mileage to my athlete but I really pay attention to the quality of work they're doing through their strength training and running as well um, yeah because I rather them be yeah as efficient as they can be well rested than being a little bit overdone on rest race day Right, and I guess it's that thing, isn't it? The, the you know you hear about it all the time. The trial runner or the marathon runner uh, who's turned up to the start line for their race and they're they're broken essentially, or they've been nursing a nursing yep. an overuse injury or nursing an imbalance for ages. It just it, it doesn't make sense. No, exactly. And the thing is hard because sometimes we compare. You know, now with social media or Strava, we compare each other to a lot of other people but we don't know what they're doing on their day-to-day life that's why you can't really compare yourself to to other people because you know if if i'm running 200 k's a week but that's all i got to do you know i don't Mm. have any kids uh, i don't have a full-time job i'm working just two times a week you know i'm I'm napping every day 
Um, you know, like I, I can get massage every week. Like that's, it's a lot easier, right? But it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. But that's why like most of these guys, they're, they're, they're able to do that kind of mileage. But then in my opinion, your weekend warriors or your, you know, people that have a full-time job or work or have two or three kids um, or have, you know, social a big social life, then, you know, you got to balance everything out. You know, there's, there's no way these kind of people are probably able to run the same mileage as, you know, your pro type athletes. Uh, it's really nice to hear, a, a, you know, a, a coach and a, you know, an elite runner actually say that. And, and let's actually talk openly about that stuff. Like you're exactly right. Like you hear, you know, dudes in Kenya or, or, you know, people go to the tr Kenyan training camp, that's essentially their job or that's what mm -hmm. they're doing. But, you know, this is so much, this is something that we love to do and we're, that we're very enthusiastic about, but it very much fits into our life. Hey. Yes, exactly. And that's, for me as a coach, it's very important to keep, keep that fun in training because a lot of people will get on program and it's, it's almost becoming overwhelming. You know, yes. they'll, they'll follow that program and then, you know, they were probably your runners that used to go do park run uh, every Saturday morning. And, you know, for them, it was a good social social event. And then all of a sudden they get on that program and they're not able to do park run and they, they become a little bit miserable. But for me, I'm like, no, let's keep park run. We'll, we'll fit that into your program and we'll just, you know, some days we'll run it easy. Some days we'll use it as a threshold. You know, you got to keep keep living because you started running for a reason it was probably because you you liked it or you had a little passion for it so um you got to fit that running around your lifestyle and not not just smash yourself every day or not for it to become a chore uh more than a than a love or passion right yeah absolutely and where does rest where does rest fit in for you are you a big advocate of your athletes or yourself resting or taking time out to kind of like you said you got to live where do you that seems like that is so much more again being recognized as a really integral part of training so where where is the rest you said so yeah no where, where do yes. you focus do you focus on rest do you focus on resting with like intent or yeah what's your philosophy on that so yeah for me i take a a whole day off uh, where I don't run or I don't train. Um, so that's, I think that's very important. Um, and I need that personally. Um, so, you know, I'll just, I love, you know, having a few beers or taking a warm bath or going out with mates. So for me, it's important to, to balance that out. Like certainly usually it's my, that's my Mondays. I'll just, yeah, just chill watch the Netflix, focus on work and not run or cycle or straight train at all. Um, so in terms of, yeah, in terms of rest, I think you got to fit it, fit it in because if someone's running tired all the time, I'm like, no, there's no point. Like take a day yeah. off if you need to. Um, and I, I guess it's that thing, doesn't it? It fits into that whole trap of I'm looking on Strava and, you mm -hmm. know, uh, my friend Harry, he's run – 10k yeah. more than me well i could get 10k in and and and, and then we'd be equal or, or whatever but you're not getting that sort of you're not serving yourself really are you no not at all not at all because yeah it's 
improving or your your I guess your results will come from the amount of stress you put on your body and then the amount of rest. You know, if you're always stressing, stressing, stressing your body, you're gonna crash at some point. So yeah, the rest and the balance is very, very important. And uh that's I periodize, you know, rest sometime in my athletes program, like full day rest, or even sometime I'll say go get a massage. You know, you got to treat yourself once you've done the hard work um, because, yeah, certain, even like some of my athletes after their big, big race, um, I'll say just chill for a week. I'm not giving you a program. Just, you know, just lay low. Like don't run, you know, go have some beers with your mates and then get in touch with me in a week or so. Because um, yeah. I found that's really important. You just got to take it all in, take in your efforts, you know, and then just enjoy the other things you love doing. Um, and, and I guess it keeps you fresh. Hey, you hear these, you know, you hear pros, and I think about Rob Kra, yep. and he said after he won uh, Leadville or, and maybe Western States, he was like, I'm going to take a month off. Yeah. I remember at the time I thought I couldn't take a month off running. <laughs> but then if you consider how much effort he's put in leading up to that yep. and the effort of the race itself, then a month actually seems like quite a reasonable amount of time to, to mm-hmm. let the body heal. Absolutely. And I, I believe that served him very, very well. Um, because, yeah, it's mentally and emotionally it's really important coming from a, you know, North America where we do have that off-season mentality uh, compared to, I think, New Zealand and Australia. We do take three months at least that we're not really racing uh, running-wise. We're doing something else. Uh, we're, you know, we're getting more in the gym. We might do cross-country skiing race, uh, but it just switch off. So then when the the... The running season comes back, you know, in spring. Then you're you're excited, you know, mm. like you're 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 so pumped for it. You're looking forward to it. Um, then I see a lot of people here. They're like they do a race, and then they're like, oh, I gotta get back into training. You know, it becomes more of a chore. Um, the, yeah. I, and I, I'm sure everyone listening is, is, or most people listening, going, "Yes, I can absolutely identify doing that." And I, I can absolutely identify in the past being the worst offender at that sort of thing. Yep. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. And then you sort of fall off the wheel and go, "What was I thinking?" Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and that could be, you know, you you can keep running, but in my opinion just change it up and that's that's kind of like what i did uh, in the last couple of years like last year i done focus more adventure racing um and that served me really really well like it was just okay i could go paddle i could go mountain biking and that was good fun but then okay my next goal after that was to train for boston marathon so i was excited to okay get that speed going get back on the road see how fast i could go on the road um, but then after Boston Marathon, I took a couple of weeks pretty easy. Then I was excited to get back on the trails, you know. So you got to have exciting goal or I, in my opinion, you got to kind of like if you're not a pro athlete and you're not making a living of running road marathon, change it up, you know. Yeah. And that might be very beneficial uh, for you throughout your your running year or running season, I guess. Well, I guess it's uh, like everything, you know, you talk about the, those neural pathways to activate your muscles, you have to keep your 
neural path, you know, that neuroplasticity, the flexibility of your brain to think, I'm not just a trial runner, I'm not just a road runner, I'm not, you're actually a, you're, yep. a, you're a runner or you're, you're an adaptive, active yep. human being and that's going to serve you well in the long term. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I called like all my runners, I call them athletes, like I want them to be athletes, like I want them right. to be able to do anything, you know. Um, and I think that's important and that's how you're going to be healthier in my opinion. Um, you know, if you're able to do a little bit of everything, um, I think you'll be a lot happier, uh, than trying to smash and smash and smash yourself, uh, doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and that's what I say to some of my athletes, if, you know, they were trying to run a sub three marathon and year after year they they weren't able to do it i'm like well just switch it up for a bit you know maybe try and run a fast 10k you know so do uh shorter training and you know focus on speed or go on the trails for a bit you know that might you know keep you going for a bit then we'll come back to it so and most of the time i see a lot of improvement doing so than just trying to to grind and grind and grind uh, it's a common theme and, and, and it's it's really uh, wonderful to hear that more and more people and there's, there's people coaching this stuff where you're actually thinking, no, you, you've got to live and you've, you've got to exist. So, man, Matt, thanks so much for speaking to us. I mean, we've take, I've taken up a lot of your time, but there's some real amazing takeaways to this conversation. And, um, yeah, it was really amazing to chat. We ask someone, we ask someone, we ask everyone yep. on the podcast uh, one final question, and it's always the same. So, um, Matthew Dore, what was your, what's been your greatest run ever? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So, yeah. in terms of... Uh, doesn't have to be a racy just, one uh, or scenery. just just something that sings to you, something that sticks in your mind and you go, that was really great. Yeah, so for me, I'd say it was my first run in Australia. Um, they used to have this race here, Coast to Kazi. Uh, so we ran from the, the coast of New South Wales to Mount Kosciuszko. And uh, for me, it was just a great way to see Australia for the first time. Because uh, I got to see the ocean, the coast, everything in between to the top of the Alpine region. So, um, yeah, that was a phenomenal experience. Fantastic. Hey, look, Matt, thanks so much for um, for speaking with us. And certainly we'll put this on the show notes. But where can people get hold of you if they are interested in coaching? Yeah, so mostly through my social media. Um, I don't have a website right now. So either through Facebook uh, just typing my name or Instagram is probably where I'm the most active, uh, which is my full name, Mathieu Doré Run. Um, and then, yeah, they can just simply send me a private message and then usually I'll get in touch with them and we'll exchange emails and, yeah, send them all my details about coaching and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, social media is probably the best, the best option. Fantastic. Hey, thanks, Matt. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. So we messed up the end bit the last time, but you would have seen me standing on one leg mimicking the running motion because I yeah. can do that. Because I, I confess, I've got a confession that I struggle to stand on one leg, to balance on one leg and do that running motion, but you don't. I confess that you I stand it. on one leg all the time. You do it all the time. All in fruit shops. At work. At work. In public, waiting right. lines. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. 
Thank you for listening. We promise we'll be better next time. Mm. Um, this has been Dirt Church Radio. Thank you Believe to our guest, Matthew, Matthew Doray. Yep. Thank you to him. Thank oh you to God. you for listening. We're on Dirt Church Radio, at Dirt Church Radio on social media, or the website is www.dirtchurchradio.com. Yep. Email us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. We can send us your greatest run ever. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. That's that right. All of them. Ever want, ever wish, everywhere, everywhere in the whole universe. And if we're not there, just ask us and we'll yep. sort it out. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. And if there's anything that you want to tell us about people you want on the show or any other feedback, Let just us know. drop us a line. Yeah. 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 Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to our sponsors, Further Faster, Ultra Spire, and CLE Athletics, and to our editor, Kieran. We've got a really great guest lined up for you next week, so stay tuned. We promise we'll be better and kakite. Yeah, we're going to give it a go. Kakite. Thanks, Rigby.